Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right. In, 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 a, in a world where there was a sounder, that sounder would have announced, this is the six-pack of observations. That's all right. We're just uh, reflecting what we saw yesterday. It wasn't all pretty. All right. Let's jump right back in. Here, here's my o- overarching take before we get started. New ownership is here. New ownership has declared it's a new era for the franchise. New ownership has made it clear that they want positive things to happen. They want to see improvement this year. And that's the product you put on the field yesterday? Are you freaking kidding me? That, that's my that's my overarching takeaway, right? Is that you know you're playing for your job this year. Everybody out there knows that. And that's that's the game plan the coaching staff comes out with. That's the crunch time performance you show. It's it's hard to imagine at the end of the year where we're at a place where Josh Harris says, oh, I've, I've seen enough. I, I think they're making strides. It's year four. You don't make strides in year four. You execute in year four. And it just didn't happen yesterday. All right, six-pack of observations from yesterday. Sam Howell is the man. That is number one. And look, I don't have to tell you guys this. If you watched a game, you saw this. Sam Howell's really good. He is potentially the future here. What I liked yesterday was we had the sacks. The sacks were back yesterday, and yet it did not impact what I would say was the total package of the game, right? Sam Howell sacked three times, but it did not impact the totality of the game. It impacted those drives, for sure. It impacted their ability to score points in those moments, and Joy Sly bails him out of one of them with the long field goal. But it, it does not create this tenor where like, oh man, what's going to happen every time Sam Howell drops back? This is sustainable. This is sustainable. The three sacks a game had a couple... At second quarter, the offense really stagnated. What I loved was they brought it right back after halftime. They came right back, looked fantastic. Uh, Sam Howell, 29 for 44, 312 yards. Uh, the three touchdowns, just as importantly, no interceptions. And I can live with those three sacks. He is showing improvement. He is getting better every week. And, man, look, the highlight reel has been good all year. The highs were really high. Yesterday, the the throw to Brian Robinson on the move, sidearm, threading the needle between two defenders. Woo, boy, get you a quarterback who can do that. There aren't a lot of them. That will make up for a lot of sacks. That throw to Deami Brown with the game on the line, nails. Clutch by Sam Howe. I've seen enough. He He's a guy next year. And he, I'm not I'm not Jonathan Allen here. I'm not saying he's a guy for the next 10 years. It's 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 a year-to-year league. Defenses are going to come around on him. The tape's out. We'll see what happens. But you have to be impressed by Sam Howell. You have to consider what he's shown this year to be enough 
to entrust him to be your quarterback next year, which allows you to have a really great draft this year, fill in a lot of pieces around him that you need to fill in. On the other hand, we're still on point one here. It's going to be a long six-pack today. They're all tall boys. On the other hand, I'm mad that I'm so happy about this. I'm mad that I wasn't furious after yesterday's game. Perhaps AWOD will talk some sense into me when we cross-talk at 11.45 before AWOD radio. He's been known to get worked up from time to time. I was mad that I was so happy about how Sam Halliday, like, hey, this is cool. All right. This team stinks. This coaching staff isn't good enough in the NFL. But look at Sam Howell. Ah, and I just kind of shrugged when Metcalf torched St. Juice and they got the field goal. Yeah, it's kind of what I expected to happen. But dang, if that wasn't a great showing by Sam Howell. I am, I am mad at myself for how indifferent I am to the rest of it because I like Sam. And I said this in the preseason, right? Two big things this year. Is Sam Howell the quarterback of the future? And is Eric Bieniemy, uh, you know, a viable option to be coached? Jury's still out on the second one, although I've been very pleased with Eric Bieniemy this year. But Sam Howell is the man. And because of that, I don't know. I wasn't mad yet. Like, there were 51 seconds left. We all knew they were going to lose that game somehow. We all knew it. Which brings me to point number two in our six-pack here. Going for two. It didn't matter. And I was fine. I think, and Ron Rivera said post-game, right, you have to consider how much time's left on the clock. And some people were mad about that. I'm going to be totally up front here. I would have gone for two after scoring the touchdown. That's the decision I would have made if I were coach of the team. But I am not going to fillet Ron Rivera for that call. I will be very mad at him for usage of timeouts earlier in the game and the strategic situations he put his guys in. But I... I, I think it's a toss-up there. If you kick the extra point, I, I think you do incentivize more conservative play by the Seahawks. They're not going to be as likely to turn it over. If you go for it, I mean, look, you saw what happened. It didn't matter. It didn't matter in the end. This isn't a good enough team for these things to matter. And I think I think you can defend the call either way to go for two or not go for two. That's why I can't get worked up about it. I would have gone for two, but I'll sit here and give you the whole play. You, the reason you kick the extra point is in a tie game instead of a game where the Seahawks are losing, they play the final 50 seconds differently. They don't make aggressive play calls. They don't try for the winning score as much with potentially risk, risking interceptions, things like that. They don't have to go all out because they know they can play overtime and get to more football, whereas a turnover obviously would cost them the game at that point. There's the risk of losing. Yeah, that's fine. There, there's the risk of losing. Anyway, there's a risk of losing every time you trot David Mayo out onto the field. There's a risk of losing. That's a thing that happens. Item number three, Emmanuel Forbes' ejection was complete nonsense. I think everybody understands that, right? It was a penalty. It was a helmet-to-helmet hit. The timing of the ejection was ridiculous. The fact that we have two sets of referees in every game, we have the referees on the field, and we have the referees reacting to the game on television from New York is unacceptable to me. You need to put, you need to build better systems if we're going to do that. You need to build in consistency and you need to build in consistency among how they are officiated remotely, how the games are presented to them remotely because the television presentation of the game matters. You have to, 
you, you have to build in some safety rails here because this is a couple of weeks in a row now. You had uh, two weeks ago, you remember, you had that questionable decision where New York overrules on a Jahan Dotson completion during an injury, which was not conclusive in any way. Same here. It's not conclusive at all that Emmanuel Forbes was was being malicious with that hit. It was it was a penalty for sure. It is a penalty when you hit another guy in the head. But to wait to have the game stop for a minute and a half and then have the radio in from New York, oh, toss him. That's we we need a better way of handling these things. I would like to talk to the other side as well for a second. This stuff ain't rigged. Come on. You think you think the NFL is rigging football games by ejecting a manual Forbes? No. The NFL would rig football games by ejecting one of the good players. You can argue that they did a solid to the commanders by not subjecting them to Emmanuel Forbes on DK Metcalf for the remainder of the day. It's not Nothing is rigged here. Rigged is when you are trying to push the scales in the direction of one team over the other team. What they did was toss a player who I don't think Jack Del Rio trusts to play professional football right now. Come on now. Use, use some common sense here. If they wanted to rig the game, they would have tossed Jonathan Allen. If they wanted to rig the game, honestly, you probably would have tossed David Mayo because whatever's coming after David Mayo is going to be worse than David Mayo, and that's scary to think about. That frightens me to think that they could have a linebacker on their roster somehow playing worse in coverage than what they have ended up with. That's that's what frightens me. Number four. This would be a quickie. Don't worry, Josh. We'll get there. Num- this is a quickie. Somebody's got to do something about Cam Cheeseman. I, I realized early on in the season, America did not want to hear me talk about the long snapper for 15 minutes a week every week. But I stand by everything I said. He's a liability. He is so lucky Tress Way is good at his job. Saved him twice yesterday, and we had the missed extra point on top of that where he was not saved. This is going to cost them football games at some point. This will have real, lasting, long-term damages at some point. You can't wait to address problems until they're problems. You have to address them proactively. That is what the good teams do. Number five, pass interference on St. Juice and then St. Juice on DK Metcalf in overtime. I don't have sympathy for the pass interference call. He jumped in early. He thought the ball was going to be thrown. He was playing his instincts. It just turned out to not be right. Josh, we're going to play the clip now. This is from overtime. This is this is the DK Metcalf uh, completion in overtime, the final call of the game. London Fletcher is on the Washington Commanders Radio Network, and London Fletcher was steaming mad about this situation. But this is the final call. This is Commanders Radio final call, number two. Coverage. You have to take away the inside. You have to play inside and low on those routes. You cannot get beat to the inside if you're St. Juice. That's your number one job as a defensive player on cover two man. You have to stay low and inside and he he stay he jumps outside and that's why we got beat. Uh th- I this is difficult. This is so it, it's, difficult. It's, it's, the way that they were running that drill, getting up, tying it up, but what's difficult is is it's frustrating because you have the perfect defensive calls made as a, as a defensive staff, defensive coordinator, and your guys don't execute. These are the fundamental football plays, and you wonder why you lose a ball or you put yourself in a position like this. 
where just just play to your leverage. Just play your jet leverage. Do your job. It, do your job. That's, that's been the message they've been trying to get done here. Myers is four for four today. If he goes five for five with a kick from 43 yards, Seattle's going to win. Here's the snap. Hold is down. Kick is on its way. And Myers' kick is good. And Seattle wins at the buzzer in a heartbreaker, 29 to 26. That is definitely a heartbreaker for Washington. Look, this crowd was loud coming in here. Washington defensively, I feel like they did a pretty good job holding up. But the adjustments in the second half, they gave up a couple of touchdowns, some big plays. Still, it's those explosive plays that, that this team, Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, they were able to connect on a huge run, 64-yard run. And that becomes a big difference in the game. No turnovers as well for Geno Smith. Listen, you work as hard to, as we work to get back in that situation, tie the ball game, and you don't you don't play to your front of I just, that's, that's, I mean, I, I have nothing else left to say. Sorry, you're subjected to, to some of that twice. That's, uh, that would, it would, look, I, Julie saying that, that the defense was fine for us. The defense was all right in the first half. They melted down the second half. London Fletcher speaks, speaks for all of us with his anger there, which was, what are, what are we doing here? This is allegedly a good defense, and we'll get into whether or not this defense is underachieving or not later, or whether they're just bad. You know, that's that's the coaching versus talent question. But London Fletcher is hot. Here's the other thing that gets to me. I'm going to give this take real quick. We may have to save the, other, the rest of the six-pack for the other side of the break, and that's okay. We can do that. It's my show. I'm going to call these shots here. He, back it, Nobody milks former players like this franchise, like that is a trademark. You remember back when they had the old, you know, CSN postgame show, it was Brian Mitchell coming on after a loss and, and y'all like, dude, back in my day, we cared. These guys don't care. These guys don't practice. They don't practice hard. They don't play hard. Like, and that, it, honestly, it, it, it is tiring after a while for sure. But it was legitimate because he should be in the Professional Football Hall of Fame. And he was a part of teams that did things and won things. What we are to now is Santana Moss and London Fletcher and these guys who, who are being propped up as legends, but were just a part of a lot of 8-8 eight and eight seasons that aggravated us too. We're running out of legit legends here. They, they all got run out of town. Trent Williams, you know, he's not, he not coming on the radio network anytime soon. But I thought... I did think it was interesting, London Fletcher, and immediately reacting to St. Juice out of position there. Another argument, honestly, for Emmanuel Forbes tossed being a blessing in disguise. You don't want that on the kid at this point in his career. St. Juice can handle it. He will bounce back from this. I'm not worried about St. Juice. You don't want that on Forbes's plate at this point. All right, two items to go. We're going to do a bon- we're going to do bonus uh, six packs going to go to overtime here. We're going to step aside, take the break. We'll be back with more. You're listening to MP on the mic. This is 910 the fan. Now 105.1 FM. Wrapping up our breakdown of yesterday's Commanders lost 29-26 to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, in the next segment, we will move to happier matters. Virginia Tech throttles Boston College up in Chestnut Hill this weekend. Liberty dominates Old Dominion. Will I apologize to the Liberty football program? Spoiler, no, I won't. I will continue to pile on them in the 1030 hour. JMU hosting college game day next week. Very excited to talk about that. And, of course, we'll sweep up some college hoops before we get to the top of the hour as well. Continuing my observations from yesterday's Commanders game, though. Look, Ron Rivera is 
who we thought he was at this point. There's no avoiding it. There's no getting around it. Josh Harris bought this football team, stood up at the podium, and said, this is an important year for Ron. Now, even if Josh Harris hadn't bought the football team, this would have been an important year for Ron. This is year four in Washington. He has complete say. He picks the roster. He coaches the roster. He picks his coaches. He does all the things. He has picked to have Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator for four years. That's a decision he, Ron Rivera, voluntarily made. That means the results of Jack Del Rio's defenses reflect on Ron Rivera's record. And I was really impressed yesterday late in the game when Jack called some blitzes, put some pressure on Geno Smith. I think it was a difference maker. I was very impressed by that. I've been impressed by Eric Bieniemy, But on the whole, the track record here just isn't even close to good enough. Even if Sam Howell is the man, and, and obviously Ron Rivera is setting us up front for that, like, hey, I left you with a franchise quarterback. I left you with $90 million in cap space. This is a good job now. And he's right. This will be a great job this season. But the results and the game day results aren't even close to good enough at this point to, to justify keeping him around. I'm mad that I that I wasn't more worked up yesterday. That was, once again, a winnable game against a good to pretty good team in this league. They've had a few of those this year. They've been in position against the Eagles. They've now been in position against the Seahawks. They don't close. They can't close. It's not a trick in their, in their bag there. It's not something they can do. And I, I didn't leave the game angry, though. I felt good. Sam Howell, man. Sam Howell balled out. Can we play clip number one? This is the Diami Brown touchdown, just in case you haven't heard enough of the hooting and the hollering from the announcing crew. Here's a Diami Brown touchdown. This kid's got, got stones. This was impressive. Third and 10 at the Seattle 35. Robinson to the right of Howe. Three wide receivers to the left. Good pocket. Time. Surveying. Looks. Throws. Diami Brown with a catch of the 15. Breaks away. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington! Unbelievable! Diami Brown is his college teammate. They've been so close connecting before on this where Diami would be in the end zone. Diami told me he knew they would get it. They get it right here. Critical moment. Huge play. But I I look at the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans had the number two overall draft pick last year. And they're good now. And they found their guy. And they're good now. Washington found their guy, and they're still not good now. Our expectations are embarrassingly low. I was happy yesterday. I did. I left the game happy. Like, hey, Sam Hell, man, showed some stuff. B-Rob, dude. Love B-Rob. Hey, all right, well, of course they lost. Of course they were going to lose. I'm mad that I'm not mad. I knew they would lose. There are 51 seconds left. What else did you think was going to happen? Of course the defense botched it. Sam Howell was good. And in some places, that's enough. And in some places, that's not enough. And this is one of those places where it's not enough. And the expectations are just crazy low. Because they cleared the bar for me yesterday. I, I, I would love to raise the bar at some point. Magic Johnson has a raised bar. That's, that's why Magic Johnson's here. He, he, didn't, he didn't do cartwheels after the game yesterday. I wasn't mad. That's what bothers me. That I, dude, Sam Howell balled out. Like I feel great about Sam Howell after yesterday. And of course, a Jack Del Rio defense gave up, you know, an, an easy touchdown at the end of the game. What else would they have done? 
All right. Happier matters after this college football college game day coming to JMU. That on the other side of this, you're listening to 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. Back at it on a Monday morning, driving you around Richmond, wrapping up a busy weekend in the world of sports. This is MP on the mic, live here, 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM, and of course, check in worldwide on the free Odyssey amp with the rewind button. If you happen to be a Commanders fan, circle back, catch the for- first portion of this show. We we will not dwell on these things, though, because a lot happened in the world of sports, and a lot of good stuff happened in the world of sports this past weekend. Phone lines belong to you, 833-804-0910. Josh, let's start with James Madison. What better place to start in the college football world than what's going to be the center of the college football world on Saturday. But first, they had to avoid the dreaded trap game against UConn. Could they pull it off? Of course they could. Trips to the far side right now as the Dukes move right to left. Play action pass. McLeod has time in the pocket. He'll say one deep down the football foot for Reggie Brown. He'll make the catch over his shoulder and break a tackle. He's off to the races. No one will catch Reggie Brown. Touchdown, James Madison. 80-yard bomb to Reggie Brown. Touchdown, JMU. James Madison, 10-0, two to play, and they're both biggies. We've got... This weekend, App State James Madison, thrilling matchup. Two teams that are always good every year, always field solid squads. And today is t- today, 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 Monday, marks the 30th anniversary of ESPN's college game day. Uh, so this weekend is the 30th anniversary show, and they're going to do it live from James Madison ahead of that game against Appalachian State. College game day, headed to JMU. They're number 18 in the Associated Press poll. They're 10-point favorites against App State. I, I'm scared to death of that number. I'm jumping on the 10 if you can give me 10 points. This will be a close game. But more importantly, you know this school's had game day before. It's always one of the best venues, one of the best sites. Uh, some of the folks involved in producing the show are from JMU. We'll, we'll get more into that as the week goes on. What you need to know is that right now, the JMU needs as big and as bright a spotlight as possible if they're going to get approved for the postseason, if they're going to get approved for the Sun Belt title game, and with that, the opportunity to win into a New Year's Six Bowl if they finish 13-0. and And there is no brighter spotlight than college game day coming to their town. And uh, by the way, the Jonas Brothers are coming too. The Jonas Brothers will perform as part of College Game Day. This is going to be a weekend in Harrisonburg. This is going to be a fantastic weekend out there. Great pregame show and then a really fun football game on Saturdays. The Dukes have their senior day. Look to send out these guys. Keep them undefeated. They're 10-0 right now. No certainty against App State. But this is going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Excited to see... The, the pageantry, the game, the spotlight, and most importantly, whether that spotlight can lift them into the college football playoffs, into the college football postseason. Now, the other team, and I'll spare you the phone call. If you want to call and talk about the Dukes, I would love to hear from you, 833-804-0910. If you want to call and say, well, what about Liberty? Save yourself the phone call. Here's what about Liberty. They haven't played anybody. Get over it. 
Liberty is 10-0, and and they, they beat Old Dominion this weekend, which was portrayed, right, as it's like, this is the game to, to quiet the haters, right? This is the game. We finally prove we're legit. I, I don't know, because one game out of 10 against a team that's middle of the pack in the Sun Belt is, is not the same as proving you belong in a New Year's Six Bowl. It's a great program. That is a really good football team. They do have resources commensurate with, honestly, a lot of lower-tier Power 5 schools. And they're going to they're gonna be heard from in future years. But when they went from being an independent to having conference affiliation, and I get why they did that. They did that potentially for access to the college football playoff, for access to guaranteed bowls, for things like that. They gave up a lot of really good football games that could have changed our minds about them this year. And when that happened, they played a schedule that is uninspiring at best, ODU being the high point of this schedule. And look, ESPN's computers love them, by the way. ESPN's computers say they're the 29th best team in America. I don't doubt that they're really good. That's the thing. They've had some big wins over the years. They've had some big wins as a program. They've, they've kept that Ewan Hugh freeze leave, and they've kept that machine humming. But that's not enough. This this is a week-in, week-out business. They had one week, 38-10 over ODU. Very impressive win. That's the only good game they've had, though. That's not good enough for me. That's not good enough to let them in to this party, let them crash this party. And I, I think the computers will agree with that. I don't think they're going to end up anywhere near the rankings. But it's going to be a storyline as we go down the stretch. Now, if JMU gets denied postseason participation, they would probably get to sneak into a bowl you know, where a 6-6 six and six team doesn't exist, playing Liberty isn't out of reach there. That could very much happen. A battle of undefeateds at the end of a season in a game that's not the national championship game. I'm, I'm just going to put my chips right down right now. I think JMU would throttle them. But I think that would be a ton of fun. I'm pulling for that. And, I mean, I'm sure we try to go down there for that. That, that would be a fantastic football game for football in Virginia for the whole package. Moving on, though. There's a team that might go to a bowl game as well, and that team is the Virginia Tech Hokies, who picked up number five this weekend at Boston College, 48-22. to Really impressive outing by uh, Brent Pry and his team, and what I loved was their aggressiveness. An onside kick early, uh, you know, they, they kept their foot on the gas pedal. This was not a team that, that built a small lead and was content to hold Boston College at arm's length. They went for it, and I liked that. Here is Brent Pry after the game. Yeah, we wanted to be aggressive. We've been, again, another deal in special teams where we've, uh, we've practiced it and practiced it and, and had confidence in it. And, uh, you know, Coach Holt does a good job being aggressive with me. And, um, you know, it was the right time. And, uh, you know, I felt like, uh, again, to, to steal a possession, it was worth the risk right there. And uh, we needed to try and uh, take advantage of the situation. And uh, Kyle executed a great kick. And Jay Jones, he's one of our speedier guys. He can really close the distance. So it's a good play. Brent Pry on an onside kick that was a difference maker for the Virginia Tech Hokies there against Boston College. It Anytime you can have a demoralizing lead going into halftime, the second half is not as important. You know, you go in with a big lead. You finish it off in the first drive of the second half, then you can coast the rest of the way. And that's so huge as you get ready for this schedule. But for Virginia Tech, they're at five now. It's the hunt for six, right? Six for the bowl game. Two games left. 
They're hosting NC State this weekend. And NC State's a bit of a mess. You remember, Brennan Armstrong didn't play well as quarterback. They brought in the freshman, MJ Morris. He played four games. He was good. He lifted the Wolfpack to six wins. And yet, he then decided, I'm, I'm going to keep my red shirt. I'm not going to play. So they're, they're back where they started from on the quarterback search. And this is a good NC State team. There was a lot of preseason hype around them. But that losing your quarterback who, who went on a four-game heater for you is a bad start to an important stretch of the season here. So six is doable. It's senior day for the Hokies at home. we got a couple fun games. Senior day for JMU with college game day there, 2 o'clock this weekend. Then at 3.30, senior day for Virginia Tech. Chance to get bowl eligible against NC State. If they don't, they, they're, they're stuck on five going into that game at UVA, and that one's going to be a ton of fun potentially. Now, that that game time, uh, you know, normally would be announced today. Traditionally, they put that on the six day hold. So I don't know if we'll have that to pass along to you today or not. I, there, there's a possibility they don't announce the Tech UVA kickoff time uh, this this week or or today. But we will pass that on to you if they have it. Also, shout out to a couple local schools. Uh, Randolph Macon headed to the D three football tournament juggernaut program out there in Ashland, Virginia Union winners. Uh, of the CIAA, and uh, they will they will go on to represent the CIAA in the NCAA Division II tournament. So we've got playoff teams in Division II and Division III. Let's let, let's let's get the Dukes in. Let's get the Dukes in the New Year's Six. Let's make it three. Let's go three for three this year. Um, I'm sure we will have a playoff team in the FCS. We traditionally do Richmond and William and Mary getting ready for their annual clash. Uh, expectations were high for William and Mary. They were they were set back back by some injuries. Spiders have surged late. That one is going to be a fun game as well. When we come back, you might remember Corey Alexander. He was a famous player for UVA basketball. He's now a TV announcer for ESPN. He almost cost UVA a win from the broadcast table on Friday. We've got the audio. We'll play it for you when you come back. This is nine ten. The fan now one zero five one FM. 10:48. It's a Monday morning. Commanders lose, but the Hokies win. Get to five. They're one away from bowl eligibility. Phone lines are yours. 833-804-0910. This is MP on the mic coming to you live until noon. AWOD, t- AWOD Radio takes over. Then Grant and Danny will take you home this afternoon. If I know my friends Grant Paulson and Danny Ruye, and I think I do, they will be unhappy with Coach Ron Rivera's performance yesterday. That's just just a little spoiler of what might take place during their radio program. We are going to talk college basketball the, now, though. I got to sneak in a little college hoops on a Monday. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that we're going to make a habit of this during football season, but just just so dang much going on out there. So, yeah, let's let's tee it up. Let, let's roll. I, I know if like you were. Yeah, OK, we got this. We got this. We're figuring this out, JC. That's all right. College basketball, uh, VCU, 75-65 winners over Samford on Friday night. Needed the comeback to get there. Uh, it looked bleak early, I will not lie. Uh, Max Shulga takes over, scoring those points in the second half. Huge points for VCU. I don't think they get this done, though, without Jason Nelson. Uh was really good to see him uh, come come to play, handle the ball uh, late in the game when it, when it mattered. Uh, his... 
poise, his calm was, was extremely important to the team. 31 minutes uh, for Jason Nelson. Finished with 11 points, but I, I thought his ability to handle the ball really freed Max Shulga up to hit those big shots down the stretch. 17 points for Shulga. Big minutes for Zeb Jackson, too. 37 minutes there. As you saw Ryan Odom ride his trusted guys down the stretch there. Uh, in a stretch where it was never a sure thing. 10-point win, but but certainly not a sure thing until really inside of two minutes when they started hitting those field goals. This one was this one was in doubt all the way, and, and Samford had... A, a very impressive lead early in the game, and they uh, they they shot well, they played well, um, but but some of those problems we've talked about with VCU very much continue to be issues. What I described it the other day as was it's like like they're the and one tape, but it's the blooper reel. Man, they play fast, but they don't play together yet. They play fast, but it's not cohesive and coherent yet. It's not all those things. Uh, that, that you need a well-oiled machine to be. They'll get another chance this week in a big game. You know, we'll talk about this more as the week goes on, but Radford come to town. Radford was not a pushover last year. Radford's not going to be a pushover this year. This is going to be much closer to McNeese State than Sanford in terms of the test they're going to get. This is not a gimme on Wednesday. This is all of a sudden a big early season game down at the Siegel Center. But this is the clip I wanted to play for you. Corey Alexander. UVA basketball legend. Florida was taken on UVA Friday night in Charlotte. There's a, there's a play at the end of the game. UVA's up two. The ball goes out of bounds. The officials rule that the ball goes to UVA. They go to the monitor. They look at the replay. The call stands. They can't see either way. Corey Alexander, UVA legend, is doing color for the game for ESPN and calls the refs over to his monitor to see his replay, which which returns the ball to Florida. Here's the clip. I, I, I didn't I didn't see that. Now Lee Cassell, Pat Adams having a conversation about that. I got I, I got a great. We're gonna have our our officials look at this again. And yeah, they're gonna come to our side and take a look at the uh, replay that we have that. Clearly seem pretty definitive. Yeah, we we've got a much better view on this one. That one. Great job by this officiating crew getting it, getting it together. And so and now the TV's upset with me on this one because I'm telling them. So Tony Bennett is now yelling at me from across the court for allowing the officials to know, but the basketball goes out. It's the right play on the floor. Yeah, of course Tony Bennett's yelling at him. That's your guy. He's at practices sometimes. He's around the program. What are we what are we doing here? Now, we have a number of breakdowns here along the way. Our breakdown number one is we have instant replay. This is at an NBA arena in Charlotte. This is a triple header, like big games, nationally televised. We had Vir- Virginia Tech against South Carolina as well. South Carolina beat the Hokies, but you had Liberty playing in the early game. How did we not get the correct angle into the replay monitor? That's question number one. That That's wild. Question number two, what in the world is Corey Alexander doing inserting himself into the game in that moment? Cole and the referees are, hey, uh, I got an angle on this. I get, why, I get why TV's bad. I'd be big man too if I were TV. Now, Corey Alexander in that role is paid by ESPN to announce the college basketball game. 
He is not being paid by UVA to be an assistant coach. He should not let his loyalties to UVA insert into that situation. What's crazy is the part where he just inserts himself into a basketball game as the announcer of the game. That's that's equally crazy. Like you don't you don't see Jim Nance like going, hey guys, take a look at this. Get a load of this. You're not gonna believe what we got. Hey, he announces it. Hey, the refs the refs didn't see what we saw. They make the call. We move on. That was wild. A wild stretcher. Corey Alexander calls the refs over and gets the call reversed to Florida. Now, he told uh, Mike Barber, the Times-Dispatch, after the game that they had a text conversation, uh, Corey and, and Tony Bennett, and they're good now. Uh, I got I got to think he'll be viewed a little differently, though, going forward. Wild turn of events down Charlotte. Now, UVA ends up winning the game 73-70. to The defense saves the day. They get the win. But that, I, I've never seen that, where the announcer gets the official's attention, tells them to come over, Hey, take a look at this. Look what we got. Now, that's that's a that's a screw up on the replay system too. I know that's stunning to you that, that instant replay would ever fail anybody. It appears that this may be the first instance in human history where instant replay failed us here. Um, so we got we got big questions to ask there as well. But I, I love I, I, TB's calling me. TB's mad at me. Yeah, he's he's mad at he's mad at you, buddy. All right, uh, shout out to JMU basketball too. Three and zero after a win over Howard. Three wins all against NCAA tournament teams last year. More when we return. You're listening to MP on the mic. Hour number two on deck. This is nine ten. The fan now one zero five one FM. Monday morning, hour number two, MP on the mic, live in Richmond on 910 The Fan, on the FM dial at 105.1 FM. If you want to hear my voice in that crystal clear FM quality, that's the place to be. And of course, live worldwide on the free Odyssey app with the rewind button. Catch up on anything you might have missed in today's program. I am mad that I'm not mad about the commanders on a misery Monday. Look, Sam Howell looked great. He was nails with the game on the line. What a throw in the second half. And I'm talking about the one to Brian Robinson. Scrambling, keeping his eyes downfield. Little sidearm, threading the needle. And then what a throw to Deami Brown with the game on the line. He was everything they needed him to be. Small cold spurt in the second quarter. Uh, three three and outs. But they did what you needed him to do in the second half. Did what you needed him to do early in the game. Very impressive. Ron Rivera remains very not impressive. Uh, he refuses to address this problem at long snapper. He refuses to call a reasonable defense. He refuses to use the timeouts in a sane and orderly fashion. That's not going to change, and that's why I'm not mad. The There's there's a saying, uh, computer programmers, uh, garbage in, garbage out. Put bad stuff in, bad stuff comes out. That's what happened. <coughs> Oh, my, my cough button got stuck there when I tried to press it. That's what happened. I thought I was going to be really smooth and hit the cough button while I coughed, but then, but then it got stuck, so we ended up with a little dead air for a minute. That's all right. I'm a radio pro. Don't you worry about me. Ron Rivera is what is what he is at this point. He, they, are what, they are what we thought they were. We let him off the hook. That's Ron Rivera right now, and that's, that's what's going on here. That's what's going on in Washington. It's going to be this way. They might make the playoffs still. I keep saying that. I'm going to say that again today. I didn't see anything yesterday to change my mind. 
They have to beat the New York Giants. Have to. The Giants are so bad. Commanders are going to be 10-point favorites in that game. I've been 10-point favorites in six years. Have to win that game. But I think they will. They could make the playoffs. Doesn't change the fact that they're a poorly coached team not getting the most out of their players. The, I've decided Sam Howell's the man. That's why, that's why I'm happy this morning. That's why I'm not mad. Sam Howell's the man. He gets to be starter next year. I'm good on that. Three sacks yesterday. They weren't crippling, though. But the question I think we need to determine the rest of the way is, this is a defense. Is it a lack of talent or bad coaching? And this was why I was scared to let Montez Sweat and Chase Young go at the trade deadline. Because what if they're good players being coached in a bad operation? You want the next coach to be able to say, hey, I'd like that guy on my team. That holds them back if they have to redraft. In the end, I think they nail it. I think they get good value for them. But I'm not mad. Not mad this morning. College football was wild on Saturday, man. I don't know how deep you're in on this. I can't get enough of this Michigan story. The story comes out over the, on Friday, on Veterans Day, the, the, the observed holiday, court holiday, the Big Ten tells Jim Harbaugh he can't coach. They file for a temporary restraining order. They don't get it. The courts weren't open. The judge wouldn't grant it on an emergency basis, whatever it was. Jim Harbaugh wasn't allowed to coach on Saturday. The story comes out, the guy he hired, Connor Stallions, the guy who allegedly was doing the sign stealing, was also given a letter of warning from his HOA when he moved into a new house a few years ago because he was selling vacuums off his front porch. This story is fully in bananas land. I can't get enough of it. Then... So that the Michigan has to play without Jim Harbaugh. How will they do? They'll do just fine. They were playing Penn State. Don't worry about it. After the game, here is Michigan interim coach Sharon Moore doing the post-game television interview. To win on the road in this environment when there were doubts. Sharon, what does it mean to you? Well, I thank the Lord. Well, I thank Coach Harbaugh. Love you, man. Love the out of you, man. This is for you. For this university, the president, our AD. We got the best players, best university, best alumni in the country. Love you guys. These guys right here. These guys right here, man. These guys did it. These guys did it, man. Talk to him, man. Love you. Thank you, coach. Thank you, coach. Jim Harbaugh, we can only assume tragically passed away this morning. That's the only thing that explains this emotional outburst just now. No, what's that? He's not dead. He's just hanging out at a, a hotel room, sending in football plays remotely. Just checking. Okay. Just, ju- just checking. Man, we did this for Jim Harbaugh, who is still with us and leads practice every single day. I know. They crafted our game plan. <laughs> We got people checking Google. Is is Jim Harbaugh still with us? That's the only logical conclusion we can make from that clip. Man, hey, I'm just so emotional. My guy got caught cheating and wasn't allowed to coach, but is still allowed to practice with us every day this week and talk to us at the team hotel, but I haven't seen him in four hours. Life is tough if you're a Michigan man. Hard to be a Michigan man these days. Michigan. And the Emmy goes to <laughs> Michigan versus the world. By the way, that guy's been taking notes. That was a that was a signature Harbaugh move. Here's a player. Talk to him. I'm out of here. That's that is Harbaugh's signature move. He nailed it. He's he's been taking notes. Sharon Moore been taking notes, man. He gets to be the coach for the next couple of games. Uh, it, barring a temporary restraining order from the judge, might get to coach against Ohio State. I can't get enough of this story. You've got blatant, obvious cheating. 
that has been uncovered. Then you've got Michigan, which says, well, well, hey, 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 we're going to don't rush to judgment here. You need to do the whole investigation before anything happens. You've got the, the other schools in the conference saying there's there's blatant cheating here. Then you've got Michigan saying, all right, fine. Look, everybody else does it. Uh, everybody else does it. So it's fine. Um, it's wild. This story is crazy and is only going to get crazier because Michigan-Ohio State is going to be potentially number one against number two here for a spot in the college football playoff. I don't think there's a spare spot this time around. If Florida State loses down the stretch, they play uh, Florida State's undefeated. They play Florida and Louisville in their last two. Now, if they lose them both, they're out, obviously. Even one loss, though, Florida State, I think still gets a serious look at this juncture. You've got really good Pac-12 teams Washington and Oregon are making a case for two spots for the Pac-12. I don't think there's two spots available for Michigan and Ohio State. I don't think there's two spots that that, that the loser is going to be able to sneak back in this year. I think this is an all-or-nothing game. And as of right now, Harbaugh is suspended for coaching in it. And you've got Michigan whipping up this Michigan against the world frenzy. I just it's a very emotional day, man. We just we beat a Penn State team of four and twenty against Michigan and Penn State all time. And Jim Harbaugh hasn't been with me for four hours. I don't know what I'm going to do. Wild. Tell you what though, Sharon Moore was not the biggest winner in college football this weekend. UNC wasn't the biggest winner in college football this weekend, Florida State. Not the biggest winners, Virginia Tech Hokies, 48-22. One game away from bowl eligibility. Not the biggest winners in college football this weekend. The biggest winner in college football this weekend was Jimbo Fisher, the head coach of Texas A&M University, who got fired on Sunday morning. He's gone. He's fired. But has a contract that guarantees he will be paid the entire remainder of his contract for being fired. And he is owed, wait for it, $76.8 million to not coach the Texas A&M Aggies over the next eight years. That's good work if you can get it, by the way. Wondering, we we do this sort of like um, the the sports washing, right? The the Qatari money, the Middle Eastern money, buying teams, buying up sports, buying up golfers. Don't sleep on uh, don't sleep on Texas oil money. By the way, Texas oil money just fired a dude for seventy six point eight million dollars. We're tired of this nonsense. Here's seventy six million dollars. Just go start a couple wells, pump out seventy six point eight million. We got to get this dude fired. We cannot handle this anymore. Cannot watch another game of Jimbo Fisher coaching this team. Somebody go start up the oil wells. We need seventy six point eight million dollars. Pay him to go away. That that's one of the great stories in college sports right now. Uh, here's clip number two. This is UNC. They had a nice win this weekend. Double overtime over Duke. First time in decades the rivalry game was between top 25 teams. Loftus out of the shotgun. Throws to the end zone. Incomplete! Incomplete! The bell belongs to us! Carolina wins it! 47-45 in double overtime! Big story in Carolina this morning is not... The, the win or what it means or Drake May's potential leapfrogging Caleb Williams at the top of the draft table. It's why did the students storm the field after a win over Duke when we're a really good team? To which I say, storm away, kids. Have fun. They're in college. I, 
I, I got I got the kids' backs on this one. Exciting double overtime win over your rival. Both teams ranked. Go wild. Don't hurt, don't hurt anybody. Leave the Duke players alone. Those are the rules of storming the field. Go have fun. Go tear down the goalposts. I'm not the fun police. Have have fun. Your quarterback's awesome. Drake May's great. Sam Howell's succeeding, succeed, succeeding at the next level. Mac Brown's been coaching a good team out there. Go wild. That's what I say. And finally, we have Nick Saban, Alabama, bouncing back another win for Alabama. And Nick Saban, man, nobody plays the hits like Nick Saban. I think there's probably very few people after the Texas game or the South Florida game, a lot of naysayers out there never really believed in these guys, but I've always believed in this team and trusted in this team that they would develop into something uh, that's special. Nobody believed in us. Nobody believes in Alabama. It's Alabama against the world. It's Michigan against Alabama against the world. That's uh, that that that's the uh, that's the format here. It's your team against all the other teams. All right, I got I know we're up for a break here. I got to pass this on. My guy Derby Bell, you know he's a loyal listener. Uh, great great tweet here uh, from Derby Bell. Jimbo Fisher, seventy six point eight million dollars to not coach. Almost an MP at the RTD style buyout. That's uh, that's great. Oh, no, that's great. I love it. Yowza! That's fantastic. All right, step aside. More after this. It's MP on the mic. It's a Monday morning. Love- T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.